enjoy this podcast. Here are your hosts, Dustin, Timothy, and Renee. Welcome to Tone Benders. My name is Renee Coronado, and I'm all alone today on the Tone Benders side. With me today is Jason Cushing. How you doing, Jason? I'm good. How are you? Good. Uh, Jason is one of the founders of Soundmorph, a sound effects production company. Jason has also worked at EA on Skate and at BioWare on Mass Effect 2. You can find Jason on Twitter at Soundmorph. So, Jason, you are one of the founders of Soundmorph. Tell me about the couple of other guys that are in this with you, and, and tell me a little bit about the history of, of what this company is and what you guys do. Sure. Um, it's There's three of us. So there's me, and then there's Jan Dwaran. He's another sound designer um, that I work with, actually. And then the third guy is uh, Jeremy Benamu, and he's our... Uh, our art director and, and web designer. And initially, like, uh, we started off just me and Jeremy. I met him at EA, and uh, he's a, a UI artist, and he worked on, like, Dead Space, and, um, and then he went to Ubisoft for a while. Now he's actually at Activision doing Call of Duty. So anyway, I was talking to him about starting a company and I wanted it to really like have, you know, a strong uh, visual side as well. So brought him on board and I was really close with Jan. And Jan's really uh, sort of like, we're like left and right brains. Like Jan's really good in doing sort of programming stuff. And uh, he's also like really into field recording. And I'm more kind of like creative side of things. So we work well together. Did you and Jan work together at EA or at Bioware? Uh, Jan actually worked at EA at a different, like he was at EA Montreal, uh, or it was Visceral. They're not really around anymore. Now it's just Bioware in Montreal. And actually we work at a company called Gameloft, which makes iOS games. Ah, uh, yeah. Yeah, so we met there and yeah, we just get along really well. So that's kind of how it started. And actually, like, we we never really intended to make software. We were just going to do sound effects only. But he started getting more into Macs and showing me, and then we started talking about, like, hey, it would be really cool to make, you know, software instruments that were more geared toward sound designers. Because there's a lot of great stuff out there, but I don't feel like there's a lot of companies that are like, we're making this mostly for sound designers. Right. So that's kind of like what our thought was with developing more software stuff. And obviously the first thing you guys released was the Galactic Assistant, which is the kick-ass little uh, blip maker. Yeah, it's funny like that. Initially, like we we were talking about like, oh, it'd be so awesome to make a, an interface synth that like was just made to make interface sounds. And we were just going to include it with the users of tomorrow just, just to like get people interested. And then everyone wanted to buy it, so we ended up putting it separately. But what's really funny is like people, a lot of musicians bought it, and people would like write us saying, like, oh, yeah, like I'm, I'm making this orchestral, like electronic synth, like mega song. And I need to control the MIDI, and we're just like, Dude, we didn't make it for that. <laughs> so <laughs> it's just funny, like what people like, like wanted to do more with it, because to me it was just like a fun little like interface maker. 
So yeah, I love that thing. So Users of Tomorrow is one of the sound effects packs that you guys have out. And, and when that thing came out, I mean, I bought it immediately because oh, it, cool. I mean, it was super cool. And I just, and well, you know, I have a whole, I have a whole block of custom stuff in my library that's, that's in that realm, you know? Yeah. But I've been beating it up for so long. <laughs> yeah. I needed to spice it up. Um, and and there wasn't, you know, there's a lot of kind of beepy stuff that's out there in the market, but mm-hmm. the stuff that you guys put out, I thought was just top shelf and I really dug it. And Oh, thank yeah. you. Yeah, I actually really liked making that library. I did I did a lot of the uh, sounds in that, but we actually got another uh, another friend of mine from Bioware named Joel Green, uh, and he's a really talented sound designer. And he I, I paid him a little bit of money to help out with it. Yeah, and so he contributed like two hundred sounds or something. But I would love to do another another uses of tomorrow actually because like. I like uh, I don't I don't know I just have a lot more ideas for where it could go but I don't know if it would be as popular for you know once people buy it I don't know if they want to buy another one but you know honestly I feel like I, I feel like I never have enough of that stuff yeah I do tend to bend it a lot too you know I'll do a lot of just you know loops and pitch moves on that kind of thing and, and um, you know it's just really good source material because when you take source material that's already designed out and then you mm-hmm. further design it and further process it you can really kind of get out there and get it into these uh complex interesting places yeah um, that's harder to get to when you just start with straight sine waves yeah that's true what was the process like building that one that one was tricky i i had a lot of ideas of what i wanted to do and actually like i've seen even more stuff now since i since i made it that i would have liked to have in there I'm, I don't know, like, I, I pretty much just do stuff randomly a little bit, but I mean, I had some ideas of what I wanted to have in there. My workflow is not always the best. Uh, <laughs> like, I'll make a huge Excel sheet, but like, I won't follow it at all. Really? Yeah. So, but with certain libraries, we're going to have to follow that, that planning a little bit better because otherwise you just end up with like way too much stuff to try to go through. Yeah, for sure. What we try and do, so I, I have a library also, we have Echo Collective. And what we try and do is we try and find a little uh, pocket of something that needs to get covered. Yeah. And just meditate on that and cover it deeply, you know? Yeah. We're not always that good at that, but, but that's kind of how it goes, at least now as we move forward, you know? Like you mean as far a pocket as far as like what sound designers need or what the library needs? Well, like with me specifically, it's what I'm missing, you know? Like, yeah. For example, we put out motion textures mostly because I just needed to record a lot of that in order to do the type of just drawing lines across screens type of sound design that I do in my daily work. Right. And I just didn't have a ton of really good source elements for that. And so I was like, well, let me just sit down, you know, and I recorded the whole thing over, you know, maybe just, I think I spent a whole weekend. So I spent two, four hour days just recording source material, maybe five mm-hmm. hour days. And then, yeah, you know, it's a couple of weeks to put it together. Yeah. The process of releasing a library is deeper than people realize somehow. Yeah. Yeah. It's a lot of work. Well, I mean, and you know, I feel like you guys just showed up out of nowhere and came up to the top <laughs> of the heap. <laughs> Because the the quality of what's out there varies quite a bit, you know. Yeah, it's true. 
And I feel like you guys showed up with just super high quality, not only source material, but also the packaging and marketing and and the whole vibe. I mean, just everything. The website looks great. Thank you. Everything that you guys do shows a level of quality and detail and care that makes it makes somebody like me comfy with dropping some money down on it, you know? Well, I really appreciate that. Yeah. I mean, we, uh, we worked on it for about a year actually before we launched it. You um, could tell. Which was longer, yeah. longer than I was thinking it was going to take. But, um, like every little detail takes time, like making a logo or yep. deciding on the name or everything. And we were always having meetings and like fighting about stuff. Well, not really fighting, but debating. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, I know. Like I, I was excited to launch it cause I knew like no one knew who we were and they were going to be like, what the hell is this? Um, so yeah, that was me for sure. I was like, well, and, and again, cause we're out in the market, right? And so we're always looking at, at what else is out there. And then you guys show up and I'm like, who the F are these guys? Because <laughs> that stuff is awesome. Uh, that's like the new bar there. You that's know? cool. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, we've we've followed like everyone in the sound community for well at least several years, really. But we just weren't really talking to anybody. Yeah. Um. So it was more just like taking in info and trying to make something ourselves. But yeah, I mean, like it's tricky because there's a lot of. I mean, they're popping up like more and more the the independent. Mm-hmm. sound libraries and stuff and it's cool i think it's great um but it's also like like in my mind like when we launched it i was like how are we going to differentiate ourselves from everything else and do something new and that's kind of what we're trying to do you know but it's not it's not always easy to like try to reinvent the wheel like if if somebody else has a whoosh library like right. you know good luck making a better whoosh library than the other ones um, yeah, but <laughs> that Tonstar Moosh library is pretty top shelf. I dive into yeah. that all the time. Yeah, yeah, it's great. I, I have that one actually. I love that one. They've got the uh, <coughs> the little uh, the bull roar ones. They go. Yeah, those are great. Yeah, I was like, where did he get that studio? Because I, I don't have a studio really. I just have my home studio. But uh, we've talked about like trying to get a studio, but that's probably going to be in the future. I think. Yeah, that limits what you can do with regards to field recording if you don't have a nice, quiet recording space. Yeah, well, I mean, we have a couple spots where we can do it, but we don't have our own, like, personal one. Yeah. So a lot of the stuff, like, if we want to do quieter, Foley-type stuff, like, we really have to have that. And, you know, I've been I've been investing in, like, getting some nicer gear, too, now, so. Nice. Hopefully we'll be able to do that soon. Or just, like, make one of our rooms more treated, I guess. Yeah, or, you know, uh, Tim Preble, I guess, for his Chimes library, he just went and booked studio space at the quietest room he could find. Yeah. Um, And that worked out well, too. So, I mean, if you don't have to do tons of recording, you know, especially given that you're making money back on it, it makes sense to go ahead and invest a little bit on just booking some studio time. That In the end, that could be cheaper than building a space. Yeah, totally. Well, we thought about, you know, we thought about booking one for a few things, but we haven't yet. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's tricky. Like just deciding, like, because every time we make a decision about making a new library, like it's, it's takes a lot of time to make that. So we want to like pick something that's going to like, we're confident it's going to do well. Yeah. Um, cause I mean, we could release like antique clocks, but 
I don't know how how well that's really going to do out there, you know? Yeah, Tonstorm's got one out already. Yeah, no, I mean, it's cool. <laughs> like, I, I dig it. Like, I, I give them, like, lots of respect for doing that. I just don't personally know how well it would do for our company, you know? Exactly. Well, you know, um, and what I found is that what we what you have to do is you have to play to your strengths, right? You have to own who your own identity is. And so, you know, somebody like you that comes from games and that comes from doing a lot of processing and manipulation to sound, that you clearly have a, a sense of taste and a sense of style, you know, you can just own that, you know, and I think that's been working out for you. I don't know, I don't know how your sales are, but, but I imagine they're good. It's been going pretty well. Like we're, I mean, we're definitely, we're motivated to make more. Let's just say that. So. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I mean, it's uh, it, for us, it's really just about innovation. Like, how can we do something new? Mm-hmm. Uh, that because otherwise, we're just treading over stuff. That I mean, there's a lot of libraries out there, so yeah. um, we don't really want to like repeat some things that other people have done. But then, like, you have to come up with something that, well, in our mind, that like maybe a lot of people might need or want. So, you know, it's just a lot of researching and thinking and stuff. So how do you evaluate that? Like when you're when you're planning out a library, what's the first steps? Like what are the first thoughts that start turning into what a library becomes? Well, I mean, like I think with a lot of people um, looking for that hole where there's not anything yet, you know, like, I mean, with the interfaces thing, I'm sure there's some other interface libraries out there, but I felt like, oh, you know, there's not really a lot of like futuristic ones. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it takes a while to make all that stuff. So I thought it'd be cool to make something like that. But yeah, it's it's kind of tricky. Like we're learning a lot as we go. And I mean, one thing is, is that the music market is way bigger than the sound design market. Oh yeah, by miles. So, <laughs> and I, I don't really care that much, but like you start to think like, well, how can I like make this for musicians? But then you lose focus, you know? So it's it's a little tricky, but I do think there's... You know, there's just a process of like thinking about what's the demand for this. Like, I know I kind of want it, but like, what is the, do other people want it? Do they need it? Is it useful? So those are just all questions I try to ask myself before we before we start on something. And I mean, so far it's been working well. Like, there hasn't been anything where I was like, wow, that was a total failure. You know. <laughs> <laughs> but like you know there's ones that people like more than others but you know what i found is that there are, I, we haven't had any total flops either but we've had some some surprise successes in spots where things did way better than i thought they would and i think a lot of it is driven by the musician side mm-hmm. so for example we have squelch which is a little radio library yeah and we specifically built that one to hit a super low price point. Yeah. Because we're, we're doing a lot of our stuff in contact, right? And so a lot of the musicians, they do that. They'll, they'll buy the contact libraries and start firing them off into their songs. Yeah. Uh, so that's kind of the medium we've been working in. We considered, you know, investing time in learning Max, and we, we still may in the future. But the limitations that you're running into with regards to MIDI and having to be a standalone app and that type of stuff, yeah was what turned us off of it a little bit Um, yeah i hear you i mean uh like i think the number one thing we would love is if like they used to support exporting to vst yeah um and now they don't anymore so that's kind of a bummer for us but uh, and you know people want to load it up so that if they're doing it to picture or whatever 
Um, and I totally understand that, but like at the same time, I feel like it's, it, it, they're still really useful. It is for sure. But you know, the way that I feel like I need to use galactic assistant specifically would be to just lock an intern in a room with it for a minute and have him just dream up a whole bunch of stuff off of it and just record it and then, yeah. you know, tag it and name it and then chuck it in the library. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I, I feel differently, honestly, about uh, Wave Warper, which we'll talk about in a second. But sure. I guess where I was going with that was, you know, the musicians and, and anyone else, really, the stuff that's really been taking off for us has been stuff that's high utility, but not necessarily super esoteric, which is different from what my personal values are with regards to when I buy stuff. Yeah. When I buy stuff, I buy stuff that I can't necessarily make myself, right? Yeah, yeah. So, you know, I'll buy, like, Frank Breeze, you know, Fire Library, or I'll buy, you know, just stuff that's hard to record, hard to get to get recorded well. Or, yeah, or something that takes a lot of time to go and do. Right, you know? or low access, yeah. right? Like Tim Preble's Seals Library. Like, I couldn't record the Seals Library if I wanted to. You know? <laughs> um, yeah. And so to have it out there, it's like, yes, I need that immediately because I can't do that myself. And the libraries that we put out that sell a lot are things that I can do myself. And it surprises me sometimes how much people buy them. Like, for example, like the Squelch one is, you know, it's it's radios, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, you just grab a whole bunch of crazy radios and, and put mics in front of them and record them. Well, anybody could do that, um, <laughs> yeah. you know. And so, you know, and it didn't take us forever. It took us it took us forever to build the contact instrument and the interface um, and yeah. to make it cool. But it didn't take us forever to make the recordings. Um, yeah, I think I think sometimes it's just like how it's presented. Um, and, and sometimes people might just think, oh, well, like I don't have all those radios, so I'm just going to buy it. Or they think it's cool, too, you know. But, yeah, there's definitely like things that are way easier to go out and do than others, like. I mean, the robots library was insanely like time consuming, right? Um, trying to get like record all those different things, and I don't know if I would try attempt another robot library for a while. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, there was still even stuff in that where I was like, we could get more, you know. But it's like at a certain point, yeah, like, you got to tie a bow like, on it and ship it. Yeah, like you have to let go. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and then like the we did motorcycle library called Road Riders, which was like a few Ducatis and um, Yamahas and a, and a Honda bike. Mm -hmm. And uh, I felt like that, it, it could have been more in depth as far as maybe having some onboard mics and stuff, but the library sounds good. Uh, and it wasn't, you know, it was only like a couple days of recording and then some naming and stuff and it's done. So yeah. compared to like the robots one, which took like a whole year for me to do. So, <laughs> yeah, you know, you have to kind of decide like how long is this going to take and is making like a huge library really going to like pay off in the end? And I mean, we're not like all about just making cash, but like we do, you know, value our time and stuff. So. And, you know, with us, the funny thing was Squelch, which was priced at 15 bucks, sold at such a high volume that it's as far as pure cash income, it's outsold every all of everything but two libraries with regards to the amount of revenue it's generated. Oh, that's pretty cool. You know, 
Yeah, we considered doing some lower ones, but we're just, it's hard because you can't like, like once we start, start a price point, you know, you can't like jack down your prices really far. No, I don't know. honestly, we, I feel like you guys are a little underpriced given what you're, <laughs> you're putting out there anyway. Well, I appreciate it. Yeah, it's, you know, we were, we were looking at like, like libraries like Boom. I mean, obviously they're really huge in the, in the independent section. Yeah, those guys do great work. And if we were going to like try to like be in the same space as them, we didn't feel like we could really go much higher than their prices. So, and I actually haven't even talked to them. Uh, I'd be interested to, cause I, I like, I dig their stuff. Yeah. Really cool guys. Uh, very approachable guys too. Um, yeah. I should say hi. I'm sure they know about us, but they, they haven't said hi. Maybe it's just like a Western standoff or something. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just kidding. They're Germans. <laughs> yeah, Germans don't have cowboys, I guess. Right. <laughs> That's cool. Well, hey, uh, so the other thing that you guys do that really sets you apart from, from everybody else, and Boom does it really well, too, is the visual presentation. Yeah. The images that you guys put out and the videos that you guys put out are just really kick-ass. Can you talk a little bit about kind of what goes into that and what that process is. Yeah, sure. Um, well, I mean, that's, that, that is a big advantage for us because one of our partners is like really well-versed in, in the visual world. So Jeremy's like, you know, he's got a big background in uh, doing motion graphics and UI interfaces and, um, and just branding and graphics in general. So he brings a lot to, you know, a lot of value to us, you know, which is why I wanted to work with him. And yeah, like you, usually like we, we all talk about it, like visual stuff is, you know, everyone's got an opinion about that. And I'm sure it probably drives Jeremy a little crazy sometimes because he's, you know, he's really the pro in it. And then we'll be like, oh, well, we should do this or that. And he's, you know, <laughs> it's, it would be like him coming to me and being like, oh, I don't know about that sound there, right. you know? So I'm sure that can be a little frustrating sometimes, but like, we work pretty well together, like just coming up with ideas and, um, and, uh, yeah, he's really good. Like uses, um, after effects and, um, you know, all the, all the big visual programs that you could use. Does he do the website as well or who programs the website? Yeah, he makes the website. Like when we first started it, it was a lot of him and me meeting up a lot and talking about it. Um, and talking about the design of it and how it was going to work. My main thing was like, I wanted, um, I wanted it to be easy to navigate and like easy for people to like see the previews and, and stuff. And I think it's worked pretty well. I haven't really watched anyone like browse it that, you know, that had never been to it before, but I think it's worked pretty well. Anything else to do with visuals? I don't know. I took some pictures and usually I'm the one talking with Jeremy a lot about the visuals, but he's pretty cool. Like, you know, he's really talented, so definitely helps. Like how much direction do you give him on the front end of, of a project? Usually, I mean, we, we talk to him about what we're doing and the concept behind it and like what we'd like it to look like maybe. I mean, really he, he has the, makes the final design. But it's important for us to like communicate with him what our idea behind it is because we're making the sounds, so they have to match up. And uh, yeah, I give him a, I give him a lot of feedback actually, and it probably drives him crazy sometimes. 
Um, <laughs> but I don't know. I think in the end, it like it, it usually makes it better for us. And as far as the amount of time that he dedicates to it, like what's the turnaround time on a graphics package for one library? He's pretty quick, actually. Like, I mean, it takes some take longer, I think, than others. Um, I mean, I'm not sitting there with him while he's working every time, but he's gotten quicker. I've noticed. Like, part of this thing, like we we saw the Tonstrom trailer for their Woosh thing. Um, and yeah. kind of like, uh, my heart dropped a little bit cause we had been working on it for like six months and it's, it, it's going to be a different thing, but it's like in the similar sort of, you know, whoosh kind of creation software. And Jeremy was able to make a trailer for it within like, you know, a few days. Nice. So, well, let's talk about the wave warper thing. Yeah, sure. So, uh, give me the overview of what it is, what it's capable of. Okay, so basically it, it it takes your sample library and applies like concepts of Doppler, pitch, panning, filtering. But what's cool is you can control those with an XY pad within the software. And it takes the first four sounds and it loops them. And it's kind of easier to see than like describe, I guess, but all those envelopes, like the, the filter pitch volume and panning are controlled as you go across the X, Y axis. So you can like pitch it down as you go across it or pan it to the left or right. And then we also added a, a group for the last two sounds out of the six can be like an impact sound and you can move that point at anywhere on the X, Y pad. So like if you had like, uh, generally how we described it was like the first two sounds would be sort of noise uh, tonal loops and then the second two sounds would be more textured or noise and then the last two sounds could be like an impact or anything you wanted really but the last two sounds don't trigger until you cross a certain point and let me see what else can i tell you about it we we added leap motion control to it so um i don't know if you know what that is Oh yeah, it's cool. Um, it's just a little uh, device that you put right in front of your keyboard, I guess, and it measure it tracks the motion of whatever you put on top of it. Yeah, yeah. So you like all you have to do is click a button. If you have a leap motion, you just activate it in Wave Warper, and then you're controlling the X Y. But what's cool about the leap motion is it also has a Z axis. So we're planning to. Um, if we have time to put it in for the release, we will. Otherwise, it'll be an update. But the Z-axis could control other other parameters of it. And uh, what I idea was was to um, have the Z-axis be modular, like it could be rerouted to any part of the software that you wanted. Um, so you could be doing like uh, your X, Y, whoosh, panning stuff. But then you could also control the volume with the Z axis or something like that. Just adds like extra layers of user control, which is pretty fun. Um, and obviously that's because the leap motion is, it tracks your, your movement in 3D space. Um, yeah. Yeah. You can actually add fingers and palms and fists. Like there's a lot more we could maybe add to it, but it won't be in this version. That's just really cool, man. Yeah, it's, it's super fun. Like, uh, I'm excited. Like, we're making the tutorial today after I talk with you, actually. 
And I, I'm pretty stoked for people to actually see it working and, and hear it too, because like the trailer does, like I made a, all those whooshes with it, but it doesn't really show the software working, you know? Right. Um, so a lot of people, like it's been very popular, but then there's people that are like, I want to see it working or I'm not giving you any money. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, and it's, it's a little bit of an abstract idea. Like you said, there's not a lot of just pure sound designy software out there in the market. Yeah. Um, and this is purely built in Max MSP. It's a standalone app. Yeah. And actually, like, I can talk about some of the other features, too, with it. Um, I finally, okay, I got it up. So there's a randomized folder, and uh, there's also you can randomize the sounds that are loaded. So you can drag a folder in. It will randomly load up six sounds from that folder. And then you can dice that folder. So, like... Um, if you don't, you're not happy with what's loaded in there, you can like do it within like split second, have six new sounds loaded. Um, and for me, like that's one of the coolest features because, you know, you can quickly make new content really fast. Yeah, I don't know. It's uh, it's a pretty unique program. I think people are gonna dig it. Does it come with any samples out of the box, or or does the user need to have some content to load into it first? Um, we, we haven't totally decided, like initially we were going to make a bunch of stuff for it, but we felt like we kind of needed to get it out. So we might include some stuff. I had already made a lot of stuff that we were going to kind of call like wave warp or food yeah. because like, you know, I love the randomized function in it, but to be honest, like to get the most out of it, like it's, it's probably better to think about what you're loading in there. Sure. You want to sculpt it a little. Yeah, the randomize is really awesome for making stuff fast. But like if you if you need something specific, it's good to like think about what layers you're loading in. But yeah, we might include some samples. Um, I'm not sure yet. Can it handle multiple uh, different sample rates at the same time? Yeah, yeah, it's no problem for that. And and ditto for bit rates, I guess. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. Yeah, it handles all that no problem, as far as I know. <laughs> <laughs> like we've we've put lots of different stuff in there, and I've never had a problem with that. Um, you know, the pitching is going to be a little different if you load like lower res stuff in there. Right. What's cool too is you can load up. I mean, you can load up VSTs, so you can load up ten VSTs within it, as long as the VST is meant to have like an input output. You, you know, you can't load up like a keyboard or anything like that. Uh, or an, or like a synth, <laughs> it won't right. work. But you can also load up a VST in the XY pad area and then map the Y axis to parameters in the VST. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, it's really cool. So you can, uh, you know, if you wanted to put the mix of the VST on the Y axis as you're going up, uh, it would control that too. So it's pretty cool. And it has built-in effects too, right? It's got verb and some other stuff. Yeah, it has it has a basic reverb. Um, you know, it's just we put it in there in case people, you know, somebody doesn't have a reverb. But uh, you know, I I would tend to use an external reverb. It's not you know, it's not the next alti verb. And then there's there's LFO uh, generators, so that kind of gives it more of like a a choppy sound if you want. You know, you can uh, it's sort of like gating it really quickly. Mm-hmm. 
and there's a wind and whistle generator. There's, there's pretty much just like tonal and noise that you can add to it if you want, which is kind of cool. I don't tend to use those parts as much, but it's nice sometimes to have. And another cool thing is like in the main section where you load up the sounds, you have a volume fluctuator, um, which really adds to, to the dynamics of the sound because you can individually click each sound and kind of have it fluctuate in volume as, as it loops. It really like adds a little more dynamics to the sound, which is cool. So when you say fluctuate as it loops, you mean it sets a new volume level on each loop pass or is it continually moving? Like if you loaded up a loop like of an ambience or something, if you had the volume fluctuator enabled, it would go from full full volume to to whatever range you set it, maybe all the way down to no volume at all. And the speed of that can be controlled. So if you had a loop of an ambience going, it would it would go up and down in volume at, at different speeds depending on whatever you set it at. Hmm. It's kind of hard to explain, but like I mean when you see it it's totally obvious what it's doing. Right. But yeah, when you're explaining it's like, hmm, okay. <laughs> <laughs> But it's, it's cool when you have like a lot of, you know, if you have six sounds loaded up to give a little space to each one if you want to. Right. Because it just adds a little more interesting textures to the, to the making a whoosh. And yeah, I've noticed like this thing can generate like totally different sounds depending on what you load up into it. You know, that's why I say it's like generally better to kind of think about what you're going to put in there. You know, I have some folders in my sound effects library that are categorized, you know, so like if I needed to make like ice stuff, like there's an ice weapon or something, you could just throw the ice folder in there and, and generate a bunch of like icy sounding whooshes or whatever. That's cool. And that's kind of how I work with it, but there's, you know, lots of ways you can use it, I think. So have you been using it in the construction of any of your other libraries? Or have you been using tools like that? We used it a little bit in Solar Sky. wasn't totally ready until until about Solar Sky came out. So we haven't done anything else with it yet. I, I got to tell you about Solar Sky. Uh, so when when I got my hands on that one, and I was again, I was hyper excited when that one came out, just listening to the demo, and and I'm sitting there going, "Dude, I love that stuff." <laughs> <laughs> and I had a project in the house. Uh, with a really short turnaround time, the uh, the Dallas Mavs have a big open video that they do right before they hit the court, and you know the imagery is is you know the players projected onto buildings in the downtown uh, Dallas skyline, and you know it kind of cuts between that yeah. and uh, some time lapses and you know some slow mo of them flying through the air and then jamming a giant dunk down and that kind of stuff. Yeah. And so they like this big, super hyper stylized sound for all of these big, super hyper stylized images. And so, and I had a really short turnaround time on this one too. I had like a day and a half. Yeah. So I relied, I mean, heavily on <laughs> Solar Sky and on Boom Library's uh, cinematic hits and on a lot of my own custom stuff that I've built. Yeah. So let me just play the first part of it here because it's, I just love it. I think it turned out great. Thank <laughs> you. 
sounds pretty epic. It's so epic, it's ridiculous. <laughs> it's like, and That's you cool. know, we and it's actually mixed in 14 channels for the arena. Okay, nice. So That's great. It's, yeah, it's just this big epic thing, and and they loved it, man. They just, they just. That's cool. They I wish I could have been it. there to see it. That video will probably be on their website pretty soon too. So once it comes okay. up, I'll put a link to it up on yeah, the show. Yeah, yeah, I'd love to see it. That'd be cool. But yeah, I relied so heavily on Solar Sky, and it got me there so quickly on some of the moves where the guys are just you know slow motion floating through the air. Yeah. And then the big uh, ramp up right before the big hit on the drop. Yeah, that's cool. It's cool to use like uh, you know it's supposed to be spaceships or whatever, but you can use it for st- stylized stuff like that too. Yeah, because I mean, literally, I I have it's just a pure straight shot of of a dude flying through the air in a basketball setting, like not processed at all. It looks like you know an ESPN shot. Yeah. Um, but it really gives it that whole other vibe when you hear. Yeah, know, yeah, totally. It, you know, I loved it. I thought that, I thought it came together really well, and it helped me a ton hitting that deadline because it had to turn around quick. That's cool. Well, I'm glad. I'm glad it helped you. And you have another library coming out soon, right? Yeah, well, we've been working on intervention for a while, actually. It's It's been a little top secret. I'm not sure if I should really say much about All it right, yet. fair enough. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, like, we have some pretty cool people on board for this one. So I'm excited about that. ETA? Weeks? Months? <sighs> it's hard to say. Like, we wanted to do, like, a good amount of Foley for this. And we need a good spot to do that. So right. it might take a little bit of time. Yeah, man. But I can tell you, well, what the hell? I might as well just tell you. I don't think it really will affect anything. Charles Maines is providing all the shot sounds for it. Nice. So all the recordings are by him uh, as far as the gun shots go. And then we have another guy that's providing a lot of gun fully for us, which is one of Charles's friends. And, and that stuff's really top quality. So we're pretty happy about all that. Yeah, Charles is the best. Yeah, yeah, he's super cool, really nice guy. And, um, and he was, like, you know, pretty excited about it, too. He said he hadn't done, he hadn't released a library for a while. So I guess he's just been probably busy doing, you know, uh, I don't know if he's primarily doing, like, Hollywood films or television, but I know he's, like, busy doing post stuff. Yeah, for sure. And yeah, I mean, he's really active in the in the field recording community, and uh, and everything. So he's been really helpful, like with me too. Like I had questions about stuff I wanted to get, and mics, and you know, Ryko blimp setups and whatever. And he's he's been totally helpful, like answering all those questions. So yeah, I'm pretty excited about it. I think it's going to be a, a good library, and everyone has been asking about it. It's just one of those bigger ones that takes time to like to get together properly. Yeah. And and also like the we're providing like source gun sounds but also want to have like design sound sounding ones. So, it's it's kind of hard to like we're 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 also thinking about some other stuff to make it stand out from like just a standard gun library or like uh, I mean it's supposed to be more like special forces sort of SWAT teams and stuff like that. But we have some software ideas as well. Nice. I can't really talk too much about those, but like a few things that we're thinking about doing for that. So do you take a library like that and do you mainly aim it at the video game community or like 
Who's your market for something like that? Yeah, I mean, with that, it, w- it would be either that or film and television. Yeah. I think it would be very useful for film and television as well. I mean, we tend to do maybe more variations than they might need. And with Foley stuff, you know, it's it depends on the film, the, the audio uh, studio's budget. Like if they have time to do their own Foley, they're probably going to do that. But it's nice to have like stuff that I think like SWAT gear fully is is a little bit trickier to do sometimes. So sure. if you had a great library of that kind of stuff, I think it would be useful. I mean, this one's, you know, we'll see how popular it's going to be. There's been a lot of people asking about it, but you never really know until you put it out. Yep. So, but it's really cool to have Charles on board and I, I'm excited about that. And I think that will probably help, you know, get some interest in it. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you put his name out there and people know his name. So you can tell about the quality of what you guys are putting out. Yeah. And what he's given us so far has been really good. So I'm excited about that. Cool. Is it going to be a big library, I guess? Yeah, it's going to be fairly big. I mean, it's going to include like pretty much every, like I I did a lot of research on what actual like special forces sort of SWAT teams, what equipment they use as far as like weapons and any kind of gear they might have with them. Um, so I actually do have a, a very big Excel sheet that, I, that we are following. And then I sent that to Charles and, uh, and he kind of advised on what might be good to adjust as far as the gun list goes. Mm-hmm. And ones that, you know, he was like, well, yeah, they might use both those, but they sound kind of similar. So I would just remove one of them you know, things like that. So he was really helpful with have, making a, helping make a final list of, of what like a real SWAT team would use. So yeah, I think it's going to be good, but there's, there's going to be a lot of stuff in it. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of weapons and we, we really want to have it be a complete thing. So <laughs> we'll cool. see when we get it done. It seems like there's always like another thing popping up. Like it was going to be the next thing we did after we launched, but you, you just kind of go with the flow of the company, what, what people are wanting or asking for or what's ready to put out, you know? Right. For sure. Yeah. Just so. try and get the next thing out. I've got a crowds library I've been working on for over a year. That yeah. Other projects have since come and gone and, and we've got, we've got a symbol swell library that's about to ship out the door right now too. So that's cool. Yeah. I think a, a, a crowds library, it would be really useful. Like, well, at least in games, I know like EA would go out to different, like all, like lots of different arenas and stuff in the world, like, especially for like FIFA yeah, and record the crowds and the crowds sound great in those games. Yeah, for sure. And you, and you have to record just a shit ton of coverage. Yeah. Yeah. It's not an easy thing to do. I'm fortunate in that I have access to the American Airlines Center and I can and I have a press pass so I can go whenever I want. Yeah. And I spent the last year recording, you know, quadraphonic arena crowds at the hockey games. That's and cool. Hockey games are unique because you can't play music when the puck is in motion and play. Yeah. With yeah. basketball, there's the PA is constantly going. You can't get a decent recording in basketball. You know, if you record the whole season, every second of every game, you'll get 30 seconds of crowd. Because uh, yeah. everything else is just blanketed with PA. 
Yeah, I know. It's annoying when you go and you're like, all right, I'm going to record. And then it's like constant noise. (laughs) But hockey is a different story because the PA is only going during intermissions or during breaks. Mm -hmm. So you can get just a ton of crowd. And so what I've been doing is, is taking my, my quad rig up and just setting it down in, in, in a unique perspective and rolling a whole game. So I'd roll a whole game from out in the hall. Yeah. Or I'd roll a whole game from, you know, the upper deck. I even had access to the penalty boxes, so I had a whole game from the penalty boxes, which was awesome. That's cool. And I did one from under the bleachers, which was also cool. Um, Very cool. So, you know, it's just, but the, the thing is, you know, you end up with 24 hours of quadraphonic 24-bit 96K audio <laughs> yeah. to, to edit down, you know, and it just takes for damn ever. Yeah, that's a tricky one. I went to, um, I went to Barcelona for work uh, about a year ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was working on this Tintin game, like the Steven Spielberg, like release of Tintin or whatever. Yeah. And the team making the game was in Barcelona. And we, I went to a soccer game there. I mean, they're, they're like the best soccer team in, in the whole world. But the stadium there is just insane. It's like nothing I've ever seen as far as like how many people were there, how high up the, the stadium would go. Yeah. Like it was almost like a 90 degree angle walking down the stairs, like because I was up kind of high. But I brought my recorder there and I, I got some decent stuff, but I only had like my Zoom with me. I didn't have like... You can get usable stuff that way though. Yeah, I got some good stuff. I did. And I actually like the Zoom a lot. And for stuff like crowds, it works pretty well because it's noisy. But if it's anything quieter, I don't really like it as much. Yeah. Yeah, that, that stadium was insane. Like those big soccer stadiums are crazy. Yeah. And the thing is, you have so... I mean, if you really want to put a comprehensive usable library together you have to do multiple games because every game has its own character you know and mm-hmm. sometimes the home team's getting killed and everyone's pissed yeah and sometimes you know you're dominating the other team and sometimes it's like a tight rivalry and you've got competing chants going on yeah um, and so you have to be at a lot of games yeah you gotta you gotta cover a lot of stuff it's you've you've taken on like a, a pretty beast of a library to do i think it's yeah, it's huge, and you know what? And it's funny too, because you know I've got something like fourteen complete games, but as I've gone through and edited it, I'm feeling like I need more. Yeah. Because I was shifting perspective so much. Yeah. That I wasn't getting total coverage on each perspective, and so it's like, well. I actually I had an idea for a, a crowd's library, but it wasn't about chanting or clapping. I, and the thing is that like logistically it's it's hard to to do but what my idea was was to make like uh, well, somebody will probably steal this now but whatever um, <laughs> was to like get a large crowd of people together and give them different props 
and and things like that. Yeah, I've got I've got a similar type of thing brewing in my head too. And um, yeah, and then just kind of direct them to do different things. Yeah. Um, and I thought that that would be a really unique library because you're kind of combining a bunch of people that could perform for you, but it's it's not something you can go out and do every day, you know. So. Yeah. I've got a library similar to that that's been brewing in my head for about a year now too. Um, yeah, not props, but but definitely hiring a group of people and and finding a um, space that has a bunch of different sonic signatures to it, like a like a church or like a like one of these mega churches around here, or yeah, or a school or something like that that I can have access to. I think um, with this kind of thing, like it would definitely be one of those things where you need to plan out exactly what you want to do with this yeah, group. For because... sure. Yeah. Cause you just have to get coverage like immediately. You have to be working every second that you can. Yeah. And you have to have like a whip in your hand. So if anyone gets out of line, yeah, you just give them a crack. That's what's been keeping, you know, here's the thing, right? The idea is a good idea. Execution's a whole other matter. right? Yeah. That's the thing is like, I've been thinking about it for a while. I'd be like, Oh man, it'd be so cool to do this. But like, I, I don't know when I'm going to like actually I know. get the people together and have a list of exactly the things I want. Yep. Um, but it, you know, it, it would be pretty cool if it was pulled off correctly. I think. Yeah. I'm in the same boat. It's just yeah. that's I, I've definitely got an idea of of how I want to approach it, and it's just a matter of finding the time and the resources and the building and all of the people. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I know. Good luck. Right? <laughs> I I might do it someday, but if someone beats it, me to it, I won't be upset. <laughs> well, you know, it's again, it's it's different ideas, right? Your ideas is, is has got props and other stuff in it, and mine mine doesn't. Um, yeah. I think there's a lot of stuff, a lot of different ways you could do it. I mean, you could try to make it like, you know, cinematic or like crazy vocal sounds or, you know, there's lots of stuff you could do. It's funny too, because what I find with regards to the sound effects library stuff is the post audio is not the bigger market, right? The video game audio and the musicians are the bigger markets. Yeah, I don't know. It's hard for me to say. Like, uh, when I've looked at people who have bought stuff, uh, there's been a lot of post studios, but I, I don't know. There, I think there's been a lot of individuals as well. Yeah. And yeah, I was surprised how many musicians were buying stuff. And I was just like, really? Yeah. And we definitely <laughs> tailor some of our stuff to musicians. You know, like yeah. our little boxes is, is almost purely a musical instrument. Yeah, it's, uh, it's definitely, like, it's weird because I didn't, like, I love music. I do it as a hobby, and, and I love it, but I didn't really start the company thinking, like, we were going to cater to musicians at all. Yeah, and that's a much tougher market because it's huge, and, and it's a little more devalued, you know? There's some yeah. really kick-ass yeah. sounding stuff out there in the music world that costs, like, ten bucks. I know, I know. I don't know how people can do that, really. It's crazy well, to me. yeah, they don't do it primarily, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, I mean that's the thing is like uh, releasing stuff for cheap is it can it could be good or it can just be like saturating the market, you know. Exactly. But uh, you know, we we've thought about doing some smaller stuff, maybe just to try it out. But 
I don't, I just want us to stay focused because if you start trying to branch out into too many different things, I think you lose focus for your company and for sure, you know, so, but we'll see. There has been some requests for us to make some like mini packs and stuff, but I always kind of felt like we might do that someday, but it kind of like devalues the bigger, like if I take robotic life forms and I put like my favorite sounds in into like a mini pack it's kind of like giving the middle finger to the person that bought the <laughs> the original, you know, like, I don't know. I mean, yes and no. It depends on how you're going to use it, you know. Yeah. Um, for our Symbol Swell library, we're going to do that. Like, we have the big, full-on, fully recorded, everything out there, you know, library. Yeah. And then we're going to have one fully functional contact instrument of one sample that we're going to break off. Um, yeah. For somebody that just needs this functionality, but like maybe not that much flexibility. Yeah, um, that's true. Well, I think we probably would, would benefit from making some mini packs. We've gotten requests for it, so we might do it eventually. I just wanted to kind of let our stuff go at, you know, as a full library, not breaking it all apart. Sure. You know? Yeah. There's something to be said for simplicity with regards to what you're putting out there. Yeah. Yeah, because if you start to like do all these little mini packs and separate downloads and whatever, it's I don't know. I feel like it starts to get a little confusing. Yeah, you gotta you gotta limit it if you go down that road for sure. Yeah, but uh, I don't know. There's all sorts of different strategies. Like this is my first company, so I don't I don't know everything. I mean, I'm just going off of my gut, really. Right. <laughs> but it's been fun. I've learned a lot, you know, and and I think like we're definitely going in, in a happy direction so we'll see how it it keeps going yeah well you guys do kick-ass work man and i wish the best for all of you because um because i need more of your stuff in my <laughs> <library>. <laughs> oh thanks man i appreciate it a lot cool. it's nice to hear like some outside input you know like we don't really get to connect with too many people other than just through emails and you know and posts forums and whatever it doesn't feel really personal sometimes, you know, so right. it's, it's cool to like to actually talk to somebody outside of our circle that's that's used it. And like we've gotten lots of great emails from people and it's really humbling, but you don't really feel like I really connected with that person, you know. Right. <laughs> so cool, man. Well, hey, thank you for coming on. Thank you for talking about all this with me. Yeah, um, my pleasure, man. I, I hope people enjoy hearing and hearing what I had to say. <laughs> yeah totally you know it's it, it's it's a moment in the industry where everyone's kind of looking at their own sounds and saying hey should i jump in this or not or whatever yeah it's harder than you th than than people think it's more than just recording and editing the tagging the sounds by a yeah. lot it's a lot more than that i mean i think that you know sometimes it's good that people want to have an entrepreneurial uh, spirit and get out there and be part of the community and sell their sounds and make some money. And, and, and that's great. But I think it's good to do it if you're going to do it really well. Yep. Like don't just, I mean, I don't know. That's me personally. Like people can do whatever they want really. But I, I have like probably a hundred songs I've recorded that no one will ever see. <laughs> because I just, and I feel the same way about the sound effects libraries. Like if it's not good, don't put it out. Um, <laughs> For sure. So it's just having that insight maybe to think like, you know, not that I'm the God of sound design libraries, but just to, to think before you 
jump into it because it's a lot of work to do it right. Yeah. You have to really love the project to see it all the way through to the end um, because it is so much more than just recording and editing and tagging. There's, there's so much more effort and so much more stuff you have to create for it that... Yeah, I mean, there's a whole brand, there's a look, there's the social stuff, there's the marketing. I mean, just because you make something and put it online doesn't mean anyone gives a shit. Yeah. So, you know. There's the website back end, <laughs> all the website stuff has to work. Yeah, that's um, that that can be like crazy pain sometimes. Yeah. You know, like having any problems with your websites just like and then there's, you know, support of the people that bought your stuff, you know, people will buy your stuff and say, "Hey, I need this or I need that." Yeah. Or, um, I had a problem downloading this or whatever. Yeah. You know what I mean, there's just more hours that go into it, even once it's done and out in the wild. Yeah, it's a lot of work. I mean, I think it's probably true for any company, really. Like, it's a lot of work to start a company. I mean, yeah. you don't realize until you start doing it. And you don't have, like, uh, employees that are working for you. So you have yep. to do it all yourself, which it's is... It's all kinds of fun, though. Yeah, it's totally fun. It's just like... Uh, <laughs> like we have full-time jobs too. So, it's, right. <laughs> you know, we're like killing ourselves right now, but hopefully maybe someday we'll just be able to do sound more full-time. Who knows? There you go. That would be great, but you gotta be smart about that. We can't just like quit our jobs, you know? Right. So. <laughs> cool. Well, thanks Jason. I appreciate it, man. Yeah. Thank you. And I hope everyone out there enjoys listening. Thanks to everyone who listens and participates in the show. Thanks to Jason Cushing for jumping on with us today. Thanks to Adele Young for letting us bend and twist her voice on our bumpers. Uh, you can follow the show at The Tone Benders and go to ToneBenders.net to leave a comment. Also check us out at Facebook.com slash ToneBendersPodcast. See you guys next time. Thanks for listening to Tone Benders. Find us online at ToneBenders.net where you can see our archives and leave a comment or a tip. If you listen on iTunes, please write us a review while you're there. Follow us on Twitter at the Tonebenders or email us at dc, timothy, or renee at tonebenders.net. 